Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today with Adam Lundin, he's the CEO at Jose Maria. They are a copper and gold developer with assets in Argentina. And we talk about Argentina and how to do business there. We also talk about their $3 billion CapEx uh, program ahead of them. Uh, two, two big elephants in the room. He deals with them head on. Uh, we also discuss the rest of the project. Uh, looking forward for this year. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and uh, analysis. We've got commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including copper and gold. Uh, we've got training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. We do summaries of all of our interviews to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors uh, sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other uh, in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from trolling, judgment and abuse, you can find them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. I think you'll love it. Adam, how are you, sir? Good, Matt. How about you? All good. All good. Where are you? I'm in Vancouver right now. Hiding out. You're not uh, you finishing off the ski season there? I mean, what's, what's happening in Vancouver? Uh, we just went into a, a lockdown, so they closed Whistler uh, for the season. So unfortunately, the season got cut short, but uh, was able to get some good ski days in. So, so very lucky. Good, good, good. Back at it. And uh, is everyone back at the office now? Are you all kind of like taking turns to come in and out? Or how's it working? Uh, you know, if people want to come in, for sure. Normally, people in the office are everyone with, with small kids at home and, and need a little need a little break or a quiet area to work. But, uh, you know, with the lockdown and COVID situation, we, we recommend everyone to work from home if they can. So I interviewed your brother recently. He's down yeah. in country, sweating, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're in Vancouver. Skiing, yeah, Just, no, Jack. Right? Jack said, yeah, I, I, I like to believe I'm the real deal, but, but Jack's definitely the real deal. You know, doing Fruta del Norte and now going to Sierra Blanca in Guatemala. Uh, he's a guy I'll, I'll bet on a uh, hundred and ten times out of hundred. He, he told a good story. He did tell a good story. That, that's that's for sure. Okay, hey, um, we're going to hear about Jose Maria today, but we've not heard it before. So if you don't mind, give us a one minute overview, and I'll pick it up with some questions from there. Yeah, for sure. Jose Maria, it's a, it's a large, you know, homogeneous ore body in Argentina, in the province of San Juan. We have 6.7 billion pounds of copper, uh, 7 million ounces of gold, 31 million ounces of silver, good strip ratio of one to one. It's going to be an open pit operation. We have water access, you know, as close as a kilometer and a half from, from site. We've done the test work for that. That can support our mine. And we finished the feasibility study last November. We submitted our EIA to the province of San Juan, I believe about a month ago now. So, so we're definitely rolling. And, and what's very exciting is, you know, we just raised, we went for $40 million Canadian. We upsized that to, to just over 50 million Canadian, but even very happy to make, you know, the announcement a couple of weeks ago to, we started bringing on the builder team. And that's led by, by Phil Brumman and Dave Oganoski. These are guys that we got acquainted with through Lundin Mining when we were involved in the 10K Fungurumi operation. And they were the Freeport team who, who built that project. So we know these guys, Phil was recently running Candelaria for Lundin Mining. And then after expansions were done and that turned into a steady state operation, he's a builder. So he left the project and we were able to retain him and, and his team. So moving forward very aggressively and, and, and very excited and, and happy about the progress. Yeah, so the numbers on the feasibility study Let's 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 start with the elephant in the room, okay? Yeah. Let's talk about Argentina yes. and three billion bucks 
uh, capex. Okay, yep. that's the first thing people are going to be looking at. We'll, we're, I also, we'll, we'll come into the feasibility study and how you're going to move things towards. But Argentina, difficult place to do business right now, isn't it? Argentina, you know, it's it's in a third year of a recession. They have a lot of temporary taxes in place. And, and if you look at the two biggest copper producing nations in the world, you're talking Chile and Peru. Overall tax rates, you know, Chile around 40%, Peru 47 to 52%. You layer, you know, it's a bit of a moving target, but you layer all these temporary taxes in Argentina, you're closer to 65%. These temporary taxes are supposed to come off, but that's, you know, not good enough. We're looking to implement fiscal stability where we won't be affected by current temporary taxes or any potential new temporary taxes that may put in place. And so we need that in order to, to continue to move forward. We kicked off those discussions with, with the government last January. You'll see a slide in the corporate presentation of me and my father meeting with the president. And, and so those discussions have been going on and we have a, a very warm reception. Jose Maria, $3 billion CapEx, you know, uh, anything that has a big $3 billion, it better be, be worthy of it. And Jose Maria is very worthy of that CapEx um, and, and it's worth moving forward. So we're encouraged, you know, I believe, you know, we use $3 copper, $15 gold and $18 silver in our feasibility study. With those commodity price assumptions, 30% of the project revenue is from precious metals. We're big believers in copper. We're very focused on copper. I believe, you know, doing a, a stream or, or selling the precious metals forward will help bring in, you know, north of a billion dollars and that'll help kickstart uh, kick that, that project finance package. So those are two of my biggest focuses this year, dealing with fiscal stability in Argentina and showing shareholders that I can move this project forward without diluting shareholders. And so big focus this year, which, which I believe will help us re-rate and help us trade more like a, a copper stock. You know, right now our share price is basically flat for the last 12 months where the copper price has gone parabolic. It has. So it shows concern. That's why I want to talk with this. Okay, fiscal stability. Let's let's, let's deal yeah. with this. I want to deal with it head on. So fiscal stability. You're talking like you're in control, because you said you've got to get fiscal stability. But the the government has acted in a certain way over the last three years. You know, putting tax, suggesting taxes on the rich because that's a way of dealing. It seems like headline grabbing stuff to me. Um, putting these sort of temporary taxes in place. Um, how long how long do you think that you're going to wait before you expect to sort of see results in that case given you talking the language of being you know on the front foot as it were you know as as us you know we really view ourselves as as contractors coming in and, and developing argentina's resource if they want to do this you know it, it's up to them we're, we're happy to we want to work together hand in hand and we have an, enough you know eyesight and, and clarity from the government that they want to play ball, you know, this being the biggest proposed infrastructure project in the nation, we get a lot of open doors. Uh, you know, we've been there for 30 plus years. Uh, we're quite familiar with, with how things, with how things work and have good relationships with the communities all the, all the way to the, to the federal government. So I'm confident that, you know, fiscal stability, it may not come in one fell swoop where we get everything we want, but maybe we'll come in steps. And I, I think those steps will, will start to play out uh, quite quickly here. But what are those? What are those moving parts? When, what is fiscal stability? What is it comprised of for you? For me, you know, we want to be able to bring dollars inside and outside the country freely. We want to be able to pay, you know, dividends. We want to be able to to use proceeds from from the sales of our metal to pay off our maybe our international loans and and everything like that. So I think you know, taking off those currency controls in place is is a good first step. 
you know, eliminating the export tax uh, is another good step. And so this is this is the, the path we're on. And I believe this will come to fruition uh, this year. OK, so lots more meetings with you and government to try and work out what those steps are. And do you think we will see some sort of resolution this year or is it a longer term? A longer I think we'll, see, we'll start to see it this year. Right. What's going on in Argentina is you have midterm election, midterm elections coming up in October. And, you know, campaigning is really starting to begin. If they thought Jose Maria project wasn't favorable for the nation or going to benefit the country, maybe they, they'd start talk, talking about it and focus on more, you know, other points to, to help everyone get reelected. But what we've seen is they've been vocal and, and our project has been talked about. So I'm quite confident that, you know, we're not going to be stuffed in a, in a drawer and wait for these midterms to, to end and then re-engage. I believe this, you know, these discussions will continue to go on and we should see, you know, some form, some form of fiscal stability come into place prior to midterm elections. Okay. Thanks for dealing with it. I think it's a big question. It's, it's, it's possible because I'm looking at your market cap. I'm like, okay, that's 215 million market cap. Yeah. That's, uh, that for, for the feasibility study that just came out, that's that's unusual. People are nervous about something. So, so the second component that they might be nervous about is three billion capex. You've you've talked about maybe streaming or forward selling in some way, shape, or form or structure. Uh, you, the precious metal component, I assume, which is yeah. not an insignificant amount. Um, that's part that gets you part of the way there. That's still a pretty big number you left with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. You know, if we think we can bring in a billion dollars on streaming, you know, doing 230,000 ounces of gold and, and a million ounces of silver for a 19 year mine life, you know, being able to sell majority of the silver, maybe a third of the gold, and, and that brings in roughly a, a, a billion dollars. Where's the next two coming from? I think fiscal stability will help us get better terms and, and better cost of capital. And so once we get fiscal stability, we can, we can further engage with parties, but also you know, we made this is a grassroots discovery. We made this discovery. The asset is completely unencumbered. We own 100% of it. Um, I am open to to bring in a partner as well at the asset level, and then having them further advance the project with us together. Okay, using someone else's balance sheet. Okay, interesting. Like, so there can't be too many people that we're talking about here. Have you had any of those discussions? Have you got a sense of interest? Yeah, you know, I. I think if we didn't have a sense that we'd be able to, to find partners, uh, we wouldn't be moving moving forward as aggressively as we are. So we've had good conversations, but it, but again, Matt, it really, let's get this fiscal stability in place. Let's continue the discussions with potential partners uh, and then see what it lays out. I don't have a, a firm, you know, this is where I'm getting 500, this is where I'm getting a billion. I know how it's how it's going to play out and our ideal scenario is, is having not touch any of the copper, staying as as operator and and still still being in the in the in the driver still being the driver of this this project okay so is lundin family seen as a positive being involved here what 39 or so 40 percent shareholders yeah. at this is that a positive or is that is that another thing that the market is nervous about you big holders there's you know you got board and institutional holding is very small as well is that by design yeah. do you think you got no. it right I think we used to have more institutional holders. I think as, you know, now we're, let's see, I hope funds are getting inflows. Uh, they, they should be, but I think, you know, mining is a long-term game and, and, and fund managers are, are, are judged short-term. And so 
Uh, I think it's been tough for them in the mining space and they've seen a lot of outflow. So we see a lot of funds, you know, kind of disappear or focus more on, on liquid investments, big market caps and move away from the junior space. Um, so that's why I, I think our institutional holding is low. On the family ownership side, I, I think people should view it as, as a huge positive. You know, I think three years ago, we were roughly around a 20% owner. And as we've moved the project forward through pre-feasibility study, feasibility study, you know, maybe not as much sex appeal as, as you know, a philo, for example, with, with great exploration and, and, and near-term catalyst. This is, you know, a long-term development game. But again, you know, submitted the EIA, going through fiscal stability, good eyesight to project finance. And I really believe, you know, 2021 is, is shaping up to be a great year for Olga Maria. Well, you guys can afford to be a long-term holder. You're kind of doubling down, right? Um, yeah. Whereas the institutions can't. I, I, I buy that. What should retail be thinking right now? I think retail should be thinking is like, okay, you know, if let's look at lending gold, for example, going into Ecuador, end of 2014, we had Fortress Minerals. It had $5 million in cash. We bought, paid $200 million for FDN off, off Kinross. We raised a billion dollars to get that into production. You know, that started it out around $354 a share. Today, you're north of $10 a share. Yeah, that was time, but but you took step ups in the share price. And, and if we can execute like Lending Gold did, and I believe we can, you know, Ron Hochstein, who's running that company, doing a terrific job, is also on the board here of, of uh, Jose Maria. So I think if you're, if you're prepared and, and, a, and a good long-term investor, you're going to see us take those steps up to, to, to higher share prices over time. Okay. Well, maybe let's get into the project proper. I mean, well, actually, give, give us the highlights on, on the FS because people need to understand the, the scale of what's ahead. Yeah. So, so the highlights on the feasibility study, you know, first, I think the production profile is extremely attractive. You're talking 130,000 tons of copper, 230,000 ounces of gold, and, and just over a million ounces of silver for a 19-year mine line. Also, what people should focus on is, is the topography. It's a great location for an open pit mine. It's a low strip ratio of one to one. It's a large throughput of 150,000. We're averaging 152,000 tons per day. Um, and so it's a big operation. Obviously, we've touched on the capex of, of $3 billion. And, and the overall grade of the project, you know, it's a moderate grade deposit, 0.3% copper, 0.22 grams a ton gold, and, and around one gram a ton silver. And so that's why we have that large throughput to drive that production profile. But when you have that moderate grade deposit with a large throughput, you're very sensitive to commodity pricing. And so our MPV using the, the commodity prices we assumed in the study, which I mentioned earlier in our conversation, $3 copper, $1,500 gold, and $18 silver. Every 10% move in copper higher from $3 a pound, every 10% move equates to an increase of $500 million of MPV to our project. So you're looking at copper of around $4 a pound a day. Our MPV is really, you know, a one and a half billion. But if we look at today's commodity prices, we're north of $3 billion. And so you look at our market cap, call it 200, I'm 200 million US, you know, we're, we're trading less than 0.1 times. Yeah, no, I no, understand that. Um, so some of the other kind of smaller outliers are, you've submitted the permits and the ESIA. Uh, yeah. What's the time frame on those? So we, we scheduled for 12 to 18 months to get those permits uh, permit approved. Uh, we had a very great reception when we submitted those permits to, you know, those permits will be issued to us by the province of San Juan. They have a great governor there, Governor Unek. And also, you know, what's what's good to mention is, is 
I'll do, okay, let's finish the timeline. That'll take, we scheduled for 12 to 18 months. When we submitted those permits, the provincial governor came out publicly and said, you know, we want to beef up the ministry. We want to get these permits back within, you know, within eight to 10 months. If that's possible, I'm looking at receiving, you know, my EIA and, and permanent approval in October. I'm not going to change my schedule, but if they do come in early, we'll be ready. Okay, okay, fine. Well, let's talk about you. You've raised since um, August last year, raised 81 million bucks. Okay, mm -hmm. 200 million, 215 million market cap. You've raised 81 million bucks. What are you doing with it? Why is why is yeah. it creating value? Why is it why is it a good use of uh, funds? Yeah, it, it allows us to further de-risk and further advance the project. And so, with the 80 million dollars, you know, we just raised uh, 50. You know, the 30, I believe that was in in August. That that allowed us to finish the feasibility study. That allowed us to to you know finish our environmental impact assessment. Now, as we move forward, it allows us to secure the builder team. It allows us to move further with value engineering, do more early earthworks, you know, on the on the southern access road and get prepared, you know, towards construction, which we would like to start in uh, what Q3, Q4 next year. If you get the fiscal stability. Yeah, I think fiscal stability is 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 something we all need to see in order to go start, you know. The family and we're there and our, and our great shareholders are there to continue to support the project moving forward. But when you're getting into bigger numbers, you know, it's going to be out of our realm. And, and in order to get those big dollars and, and the appropriate cost of capital on those dollars, fiscal stability is going to be uh, important. So with regards to strategic partners, are there any um, players in country already operating who do have a, a better line to the government than you? I think there's some fantastic mining companies in Argentina, you know, in the San Juan province. Uh, Barrick is operating the, the Valadero mine, doing a, a phenomenal job there. And especially since, uh, you know, Mr. Bristow came in and, and took over, uh, they, you know, they're doing the right things. They're exploring around their deposit. I think they've already increased their mine lights. You know, in the Salta province, you have First Quantum uh, with uh, the Taka Taka project, another great company. They've mentioned that they're going to be spending money and moving that project forward. Uh, also, you know, yeah, Pan American Silver, great company. They're, they're in, in a tough province in Chubut, but have a great project in Navidad. So there's great players in the country and uh, and, and everybody wants to, to move these projects forward. I think what's unique about Argentina, when we came into Ecuador and we're able to do it, and now you see a lot of players in Ecuador, and that's a really grassroots exploration. If Argentina wants to open up and, and Jose Maria were, were willing to, to go first, we're betting that the country wants to better itself and open up mining, you know, you have a lot of advanced projects behind Jose Maria that can get going. In 10 years, Argentina, if they want, they could be, you know, top 10 producing nation uh, of copper. Uh, and, and, and you know, that's the pitch we make to them. You know, do you want to be involved in, in the green fuel, play a, an active part in the electric revolution? Uh, you can do it. But I'm trying to, and I'm intrigued where you guys get the confidence while you're sort of jogging up to the start line, as it were, as opposed to waiting to see if the race is going to start. So, you know, you're, you've raised a, a ton of money. You're mm -hmm. going to advance things because you must have a high degree of certainty or you're a really good poker player uh, trying to work out what the government's going to do. I think, you know, at the group, we maybe we're naive, but we feel like, you know, people want to better themselves. People want to want to better the, the you know, local communities. And mining is, is, is a key player in that. And so when we meet with, 
with government officials and, and sit down. And, and my father's done it numerous times. If we get that sense that, yes, you know, they want to better themselves and they see mining, want to play an active role in that. Instead of waiting for it to get better, we're happy to go hand in hand alongside them and make a bet that it is going to get better. And we're not going to wait for it to get better. We're happy to go with the with the host nation and and, and make it better alongside them and, and help them improve things. Where I think other boards or, or other companies, you know, boards will say, let's wait and see it's better before we mandate you to spend further dollars. That's the difference with the Okay. Okay. Again, so I'm sorry. You're you're going to use this fifty million bucks to kind of further the project. Does that get you to the end of a, a DFS? Is that what you're aiming to do? Yeah. So, so this next fifty million dollars should get us um, should should take us to to uh, you know normally when you're finished basic engineering, you're you're thirty percent engineered, and then you make your construction decision, and 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 that should take us to that level. Okay, fantastic. At which point you can have more sensible discussions around financing. Okay, so you told us what you're going to do. Um, what should we be looking at for this year? So, sorry to kind of kind of keep it on a kind of high no, no. level here, but I just the way that you're thinking about this is really really important because I su- I suggest and I, I suspect from what we're reading out in the marketplace that people want to know how you're tackling. You know the kind of the two elephants in the room and the timing on that before because every I mean the project looks great I mean feasibility study the numbers numbers fantastic you know, and you've got the capital yeah. to be able to move things forward through to an investment de- decision fantastic but um, yeah. no it's a fantastic project and, and catalyst this year you know again to, not to belabor the point but we should see you know fiscal stability we should receive permits on our EIA we've already started putting the builder team together. Uh, that will surround, you know, these these tremendous guys who built their projects before, Phil Brum and Dave Oganowski. And then you should see us, you know, the start to tackle the project finance. Right. But so three major events. Yeah, three three absolute major events. But do you again as a retail, which is a kind of big big part of this, is do we sit back and wait until you started delivering some of those things? You know, you got long lead times on the on the EIA and the permitting too. So, do we just sit back and wait? You've got cash. You don't really kind of care too much about liquidity right now, do you? No, I think it's important, right? It's definitely you. You, you need that liquidity. You want people, you know, to have comfort that I can en- come in and exit your stock uh, freely. And so, liquidity is very, very important to me. And and we're making big efforts to make sure people, you know, have ability to enter and exit the stock freely and as they want and it doesn't trade by appointment only and so 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 it's important liquidity is important to me sure. okay so your, your key driver is being able to trade at a better multiple to nav that's yeah. what you want yes start okay. climbing that ladder start climbing that ladder okay well adam like, i appreciate appreciate the run through and um uh, thanks for telling us that story um, clearly, there's lots you're in control of, a few things that you're not. Um, stay in touch, let us know how you get on. Intriguing, certainly in terms of the valuation component, but a leverage there for investors if they're interested. Speak soon. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.